Attention, everyone. As of today, you have two weeks left to join Platoon 27. Platoon 27 is offering two tracks for Revelation Wellness Instructor Training. RevFit, our classic training that we've been doing for over 10 years, and now introducing RevX. RevX is for those of you who you're not interested in the eight count, the beat, uh, choreography, but you do enjoy athletic metabolic conditioning. This track is for you. And this is the last time we are going to be offering an online training until fall of 2022. So if you're feeling the slightest tug, the slightest, don't ignore it. You are qualified. You belong here. God wants to embody you. And I, I just know you want to embody him. And that's what happens when you come through this discipleship training program. It's not something where you're just going to sit back and learn about God and talk about God. We are going to embody it. We're going to do some hard things, but not difficult together. As I always say, the gospel is not easy, but it is simple. So we'll do the hard stuff together and you will leave transformed. Swipe up on the show notes, get enrolled two weeks out. This is the perfect time. It's not too late. Gives you enough time to get ready. So be sure to do that. If you even have the slightest interest, you'll download a packet and one of our Revelation Wellness uh, enrollment advisors will reach out to you, answer any questions here to help you. Really, you're feeling a tug towards something. So let's just pray about that and see what God might be doing as he draws you closer into some leadership. And I always say, listen, you may not instruct anyone. You may not never use it to actually teach a group of, of people fitness like I do, but you do need to instruct your own life. Amen. So come, even if it's just for your own freedom to the instruct your soul into the goodness of God. And guess what? It will just be contagious for others. So you'll be living the hope of Christ. So come do that with us. Okay. I don't want you to miss today. Goodness. I am so excited to introduce you to Sharon and Susan. They are officially the most glorious, wisest veterans who have gone before us in the faith women that I have ever met. And they have written a book called Aging with Grace, Flourishing in an Anti-Aging Culture. You guys are going to love this conversation. We had a fantastic time. I learned so much. I wish they lived in my neighborhood. I would be over at their house every week at least just to sit at their feet and to hear the goodness of God because they have lived it and they are embodying it and their stories will be shared. They're going to give us a new lens and mindset for how we look at our bodies, especially in a anti-aging culture. Let's have this conversation. Why are we doing this fitness? What is it about? And in the end, we know we can't hold back the hands of time, but there's something that we can glean and take into this next decade as we move in God's will have another breath. Amen. So you are going to be so encouraged. You love them. I love them. Um, I don't even know. They don't, I don't even think they're on Instagram. They're like the hidden, the hidden heroes of a faith. So be encouraged today. You guys have asked for topics like this. Keep telling us, go back in the official Revelation Wellness community and tell us all the things, who we could interview, who comes to mind, what topics you want covered, because this is definitely one that we were listening to. 
All right, let's talk about it. Let's talk about aging with grace. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, donors, for making this podcast and all the things we do at Revolution Wellness possible. You are changing lives. Peace. All right, Revelation Wellness community, I get the sheer joy of introducing two new friends to our community, uh, Sharon and Susan. They have written the book, Aging with Grace, Flourishing in an Anti-Aging Culture. You guys have asked for this topic. When we polled you, what kind of topics do you want to hear on the podcast? You said, can we talk? about getting older. (laughs) And I said, I could talk about it to a certain point, but I would like to hear from others who are going further along and have had a journey before me. And so today, Susan and Sharon are here to share with us uh, why they wrote this book and a message of hope for us regarding um, as we age. So Susan and Sharon, welcome to the podcast. It's a privilege. Thank Thank you. you. I want you each to take a minute, Susan, and just tell a little bit about yourself and where you are, uh, and then we'll do the same with Sharon. Okay, I'm Susan Hunt. I'm in Marietta, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta. I'm the widow of um, a pastor. I have three children and 13 grandchildren, and I'm 81 years old. Woo! Wait, I got a little bell. 81, and and you have authored how many books? Oh, several. <laughs> uh, I don't know. She's being, she's being very humble there. Yes, mm-hmm. many. I just oh, love it. That's amazing. Thank you. And Sharon, a little about yourself. Yes, I am a wife to a retired pastor and a mother of four children. We have 14 grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. I'm 73. Uh, in my, <laughs> yeah, I, know, I can't believe it, but but my body is reminding me of, of the years and the toll. But um, our 16-year-old son, Mark, and his friend, Kelly, were in a fatal car accident in 1993, and that has shaped a lot of what I do and uh, the ministry that God has given to me. Amazing. And, and can I ask, how did you two become friends? Well, Susan uh, was the leader, I call her the leader of the women's ministry of the PCA. She had just taken on the responsibility and we had just joined the PCA. And I didn't have a very good attitude about organized women's ministries, but uh, Susan was revamping and uh, creating a new vision for women's ministries. And I loved it. And so I was in my forties and uh, very naive, uh, had no idea what I was getting into, but I uh, went to a leadership conference and that started our friendship. And then somehow, somewhere along the road, you said, let's co-author a book together. (laughs) That was Susan. (laughs) That was, yeah, because she's cranking out books. I I can tell. She's got a message. I don't think we would ever have thought of writing this book, but we had each been asked to speak at separate conferences on the topic of aging. And later when we discussed it together, the thing that had shocked us both was how many women came to those seminars and the variety of ages, especially the number of younger women that came. Mm. So we just began talking and praying about what does God say about aging? How do we glorify him in old age? And then as we searched the scriptures and learned more and more, we just felt that we had to be good stewards of that. And eventually it became a book. Love it. Okay. What does the phrase aging with grace mean? I I love that question because I think 
probably most people listening are going to have a picture in their minds of a sweet little old lady who has beautiful snowy white hair that looks like a halo (laughs) and sparkling Mm -hmm. eyes and a sweet smile and gives great hugs. And of course, we (laughs) all want to be that person. And carries candy in her purse. And carries candy in her purse. (laughs) And I want to be that person. Um, But I think that I, I know that when we talk about aging with grace, there's something uh, broader and deeper. And the uh, the secular definition of grace is to do honor or credit to someone by one's presence. Mm. And when I think about that, I think about the great promise God has made to us that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. I don't know that you understand the importance and the pricelessness of that promise until yeah you are in the middle of a crisis or a struggling. And so for us, aging with grace um, means that we live, we learn how to live, we make choices from the time we're young to live in the context of remembering God's presence, but not as someone with a big stick in his hand, but as Mm. someone who has given us undeserved mercy, where Mm -hmm. he gave us that mercy and he is the one that uh, made us his children. And so out of hearts of gratitude, we want to reflect who he is. That's not an easy thing to do. Sometimes it's, it's excruciatingly painful. It requires dying to self, but knowing that we are really responding to him, to redemption, it changes the way we view things. And it starts, it hopefully starts when you're much younger Uh, We're all aging, whether we're 15 or 50 or 60 or 80, Mm -hmm. we're all aging. And the time to start thinking this way is as young as possible. Amen. Wow. So good. All right. You talk about the purpose and mission of old age. And what do you, what do those words mean to you in this stage of life? The purpose and mission. This is a big question. And it's important for us as we think about aging to pause and to really consider what is my purpose and what is my mission. Mm -hmm. And the earlier in life that we settle in on that, the better. I'm very thankful that it was in my, um, I think, late 20s when I was really challenged with this question. But the Westminster Shorter Catechism gives us an exquisite statement, a succinct statement, of what the scripture teaches about our purpose. Mm. That is that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Think yes. about that. Yeah. Our chief end, our reason for being on planet Earth is to glorify God and to enjoy him. And if we enjoy him, we glorify him. When we glorify him, we enjoy him. What this is really telling us is that we're created in God's image, to live in relationship with him, to live face to face with him, and to reflect his glory. Now, that doesn't mean that we reflect a physical brightness, but rather that we reflect the glory of his goodness, his character. Yeah. When you think about it, what other purpose could give us significance. If God had created me for my own glory and you for your own glory, Mm. we can look around us and see how destructive that is. Mm. But being created to reflect the glory of the Almighty One is beyond wonderful. It's beyond significant. It's eternal. But we know that the man and woman sinned. 
Yeah. And so they lost that ability to reflect God's glory. But as they turned away from God, he moved toward them in yeah. grace. Yeah. And he gave the promise of a Savior who would restore what we had broken. And then God begins the process of restoring us, of making us what he created us to be, that marvelous work of transformation. Mm-hmm. So as we think about all of this, it is such a big concept and woven into that creation redemption narrative in the first chapters of Genesis. There's so many small little pictures of hope and of beauty. And one of those pictures particularly intrigues me. And it is that after the man and woman sinned and after God said that the promised savior would come from the woman, Adam looked at her and renamed her. She had been named woman, but then he names her Eve, which sounds like the Hebrew word life giver. So here we see our potential. Come on. We have the capacity because of the life of Christ in us to be life givers, not just biologically as important as that is, to be life givers in every relationship and situation of life. And in fact, if we are not life givers, we like Eve before uh, when she sinned, we will become life takers. Mm. Look at that redemption picture. We have the potential to be life givers. So when you think about this, if we think of this big vision of glorifying God, then every mundane And every miserable moment can take on such majesty and significance because we see it in light of the whole. So we need to think about this and then to bring it into right now. It's important for me to glorify God as an 81-year-old. This is my season of life. And regardless of my circumstances, now is my time to glorify him as an older woman. So we need to think big. And we need to think long and we need to think biblically. So that's our purpose. But then what is our mission? It's the same that God gave to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. And we see this reflected in the Great Commission. We're to be fruitful and multiply spiritually as we make disciples. And yeah. so our calling is to glorify God. And our mission is to tell the next generation the glories of who he is. I'm crying. <laughs> I'm crying. I get, uh, first of all, I just say we all hear the voice of women who are talking with authority as you've walked it out, um, as you've been faithful to the Lord. So there's a, oh, this is really what it looks like to glorify the Lord in every season of your life. And that today is the day of the glory of the Lord for each one of us. This is why I think the enemy gets us so bound up inside time. And that's why the world is trying to preserve time. Don't age. Find that perfect look and hold on to it. Instead, time is, this is every day is this opportunity in the season you're in, in the new wrinkle you have, in the new gray hair you have to glorify the Lord with it. And it is such a good picture of we are either giving life or taking life. Man, thank you. That was awesome. So how can a younger woman benefit from a a book on aging. I mean, I'm already saying how I'm already benefiting just being in your presence and listening, but 
How would a younger woman uh, benefit from a book on this topic? Well, I think that uh, we need to remember that the time to start aging is now. <laughs> the time <laughs> to start thinking about aging with grace is now. And yes. I, as a, a young woman, uh, my husband was the pastor of a little city church, and there were two kinds of women in that church. One was a group of what Susan has talked about, life givers. Um, I was 21 years old and thought I should teach a Bible study because my pastor's wife taught a Bible study. And these five elderly women sat around my dining room table every Wednesday and listened to me teach and cut my teeth on them. They were such encouragers. I mean, I I can't even imagine what they must have thought sometimes about (laughs) the words coming out of my mouth, but they never expressed any criticism. Mm. And then there was the, the woman who she didn't like my husband and she made sure I knew it. And she was a bitter old woman. And I mm. thought, okay, these are the two paths, which one do I want to take? Ooh. And so that started to plant in my mind. I didn't think about it all the time, but I knew that in my twenties, I was making decisions about who I would be when I was 60 or 70 or 80. Yes. We are becoming, we are what we are becoming. And so yes. as a 20 year old or a 30 year old or a 50 year old, we need to be making intentional choices to realize just what you said. And Susan said so beautifully, you know, we're on a journey and yeah. as Christians, we're on our way home. Come and on. so we need to think about um, those daily decisions that we are making. And then Um, So I started thinking about it in my 20s. And then when I was 45, our 16-year-old son, Mark, and his friend, Callie, were in a fatal car accident. And this confronted me with that choice again. Who who was I going to be? Would I be a bitter old woman stuck in longing for what was? Or would I be, as Susan has described so beautifully, keeping that mission in front of me? My purpose is to glorify God. And I'm not, I want you guys to know whoever's listening, I'm not saying this is a piece of cake. It's, it's painful. It's painful. As a Christian, it doesn't mean it's all going to be easy. I, it was excruciating. Uh, That journey was excruciating, but the time to think about that, I was better prepared for that moment Yes, because of those decisions that I can't take responsibility for, but and all the mistakes I made, I made lots of mistakes. Yeah. Um, but God showed me that he can bring beauty from those ashes and that helped prepare me for those days. And so that season has prepared me for this season because yeah. this season for me and for many of us is a season of loss. And so how do yeah. we respond to those That's losses? Good. And, and I think Susan has described it beautifully. I mean, this Amen. is why when she spoke on this topic, it was at a Revive Our Hearts conference and she got a huge standing ovation. And yeah. everybody can know why because of yeah. what she has just shared. Yes. Well, it, it absolutely puts everything in, in purpose and mission. Don't mm. lose the purpose. Don't lose the mission. And exactly what you said about this is a young person today as we're, we're all aging, right? Nothing, no one's getting away from this aging thing, having the plan today for what tomorrow will look like. Mm -hmm. And we literally live that out. Even the neuroscience is in that what we think about, we become. So to have that plan already in mind in light of God's scripture, this is a everyone topic. (laughs) Everyone should be thinking in light of eternity and the endless age that we are entering into. And one thing, before we go on to the next step, I I would like to just encourage those who are struggling with aging. 
that the scriptures have a beautiful picture of aging and Susan unpacks it in the book. It's in Psalm 92. And I think that's a place where we have to start. Even as a 20 year old, we are being bombarded with, as you said, pictures of youth fight aging. Aging is bad. Uh, Ageism is a real thing. Yeah, come on. And so we are uh, confronted with this constantly. It's going to be do, do, do. I mean, if you you look at the commercials of um, products for people my age, who are the people that are promoting it? They are maybe my age, but they're kayaking and they're climbing mountains (laughs) and, you know, all those things. You're so busy. Yeah, I mean, really. But is that is that what God is saying to us? No, Mm. it's about becoming more like Jesus, not doing more. Not amen. You, I hope you all heard that. It's not about doing more, but becoming more. Yes, our doing can feel like we have control, and we're taking you know matters into our own hands and seizing the day and living a youthful life, even in our aging. And there's nothing wrong with people who enjoy adventure and those things. But what are you doing at the end of it? What is my main motive? Is it to glorify God and bring life on the earth? So good. You guys uh, profile the stories of some women in the Bible. And of those women, whose story do you resonate with the most? Well, um, I'll take this. this (laughs) I'll take this because Susan wrote the Thinking Biblically chapters and I wrote the Living Biblically chapters. And so, but we we worked on them together. So there's, our fingerprints are on both chapters, but my favorite one um, has to be the what we call the matriarchs of Jeremiah. Mm. And it really centers on, you know, there's a very, very popular verse that is on people's walls and, you know, everywhere. I know the plans I have for you, plans mm-hmm. to prosper you and not to harm you. And that's an incredible promise. Yeah. But it was made in the context of great suffering. And some of the mm. people that heard that promise knew that on this earth, they were not going to experience what God was promising them because they were in exile and they were in exile because that's where God placed them because of their behavior was a discipline. But think about it. In all those Israelites, there were probably people there who had not um, um, sinned against God in worshiping other gods, but they, they had to suffer the same way, the same way we do on earth. And so God says to them, uh, you're not going home. I mean, as an older woman, you know, uh, change is hard. Yeah. I wanted my son back. My son was not coming back. Yeah. They were not going home because they Mm. were going to be there for 70 years. Mm -hmm. And so we looked at, we picked out one group of older women in the, in there, what was going to be their response to this very painful declaration of the Lord. Mm. And we decided that there were several responses which face us as well when we hear that kind of earth-shattering news. Mm. God told them, plant gardens, build homes, uh, send your children to be married, have children, all signs of hope, all signs of hope. Yeah. And so these women had to decide, am I going to surrender to God's purposes with the mission in mind of glorifying yeah. him, yeah. am I going to be bitter and angry and always talking about how I want to go home? Or am I going to have a chip on my shoulder and I'll help move those rocks, but mm. everybody's going to know I'm unhappy about it. Mm. And so I think all of us have those same choices yes. today. And so we want we wanted to learn from those women. These are our choices by God's grace, which one or which pathway will we take? So good. 
how can the church or specifically the women's ministry in a church encourage and equip older women to flourish? And how can they encourage relationships between older and younger women? Let's talk about that in the church. So glad we're discussing this question because it is such an important one. And I think the first thing we have to say is that we have to recognize that this idea is not just a sweet, sentimental idea of, oh, wouldn't it be nice if the older and younger women were engaging with each other? So this is a gospel mandate. Yeah. In Titus 2, which is a, a letter to the pastor of a church, Paul writes, older women are to teach what is good and so train the younger women. So older women are to teach the gospel And we're to train. That word means to show. We're to show what it looks like to live out the gospel as life-giving women Mm. who are committed to glorifying God and to telling the next generation. Mm. So we need to capture this big vision and to see that this is really not optional. This is one of the things that the church is to do. This is one way that we make disciples and fulfill the Great Commission. Yeah. Now, it, it would be nice, and I often hear women and pastors say, well, yes, we want that to happen in our church. We just want it to happen organically. <laughs> and it may. There may mm. be some women who step up and older women who reach out and begin to engage with younger women or younger women who go to older women. But for the most part, it will not happen. Come on, that's and right. Particularly, it will not happen so often for those who need it the most. Mm. And so what what we really encourage, and Sharon and I have been involved in this for about 30 years, is we encourage the women's ministry in a local church to be very intentional, not just in telling women they should do this, but in, in equipping them yeah. How to do it. How to, yes. The very mandate scares older women to death because mm. they're not sure what you're asking them to do. Mm. And so we want to encourage women's ministries and local churches to equip them. And for that, we have provided many resources. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the book Spiritual Mothering, which is on the Titus II mandate. It unpacks mm. it. Mm. Sharon's book, Treasures of Encouragement. Mm. There's another manual called Titus Two Tools, which gives ways that a women's ministry can do this. It also gives a section for you to train uh, older women. And by older women, we're all older than someone. So your 25 to 30-year-olds should be discipling teenage girls. Yes, This should just be very fluid throughout the life of a church. And when this becomes the culture of a church, It becomes a life-giving culture because women are speaking into the life of other women and helping them to live for God's glory. And it's it's amazing how transformative it is in the life of the church. And Sharon and I really see that this book, Aging with Grace, is another piece to that, that curriculum, you might say. Yeah. I don't think we thought about it as much when we first started. We first started just... We wanted to know, how do we glorify God in yeah. old age? Yeah, yeah. And so it was answering our question. 
But then very soon, particularly as we thought about our mission to tell the next generation, we realized, ah, this is for us and to equip women in our place in life to look back and to tell the next generation, this is how you run the last lap. Yeah, that's so good. The fact that you said too that <clears throat> the churches that think that it will happen organically, that's like saying I'm going to you know get my finances in shape organically. I'm going yes. to get more in shape organically. Like you make a plan, and and it's not going to be perfect. I think <clears throat> I think we sometimes put so much pressure to have perfect programs that everyone's going to love. Sometimes you're building the plane and flying it, but at least you're building. So yeah, I could not agree more with, and, and I feel like we're in a time where younger women are wanting more mentorship, some godmothers, some people that have walked, that in the faith of walking before them, because it's such a wishy-washy, confusing, lots of everyone has an opinion time, that the voices of the steadfast and the faithful, we need to make sure they're found in the church. That's so good. Thank you. And um, Alyssa, I would like yeah. to call older women to be available to those younger women. Woo! Yes. Um, my husband died a year and a half ago. And about a month afterwards, I was just sitting with the Lord one morning and I said, Lord, what do I do next? I, mm. I'm declining physically. I don't have the energy I used to have. What do I do next? And it was just as clear to me in my heart. I just felt the Lord saying, open your door. Yeah. Open your door to the women I will bring. And I have to tell you, even through COVID, there has been a steady stream. We sat outside during COVID yeah. and we visited outside. Yeah. But those one-on-one -on -one opportunities with a younger woman, just to look at her and to tell her, you're doing good. Jesus loves you. Mm. This is a marvelous, exciting journey. Keep going. Keep going because the path gets brighter and brighter as we move forward. <sighs> There is no substitute for that. Not even, I mean, Bible verse, yes, but someone that encapsulates the hope of the Bible and just puts it in in, in words of, you're going to make it, keep going, don't give up. Those simple cheers from an, an older woman. I agree with that. Thank you so much. Man, we're so inspired already. What advice do you guys have for an older woman with chronic who wants to flourish as she ages? I'll take that one because I am that woman. I'm dealing with two different uh, physical situations that are chronic, uh, treatable, but chronic. And I really, I think the Lord began preparing me for this back when Sharon and I first began talking about and studying for this book. He particularly took us to Psalm 92, which contains a remarkable promise the last few verses of that psalm, beginning in verse 12, say, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So the first thing I would say to that woman is, God has remarkable promises for the righteous. And my question is, what are you depending upon for your righteousness? Is it your own works? your own efforts mm -hmm. or is it the righteousness of Christ? Are you resting securely in his perfect obedience for you and in his righteousness being credited to your account? 
that you are one of God's righteous ones because he has made you so by his grace. Hmm. And in verse 13, the psalmist says that these righteous ones are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. Hmm. We're not on this Christian journey alone. Hmm. We have been planted in the house, in the church Hmm. of God. We are his people. We Hmm. belong to him and we belong to each other. You are not alone. And I would encourage her, do not pull away and isolate. You may be discouraged by your illness. You may feel defeated by it, but you're not. But reach out to your your church community. Reach out by serving them. Even if you not go to public worship, you're confined at home. Pray for them. And let them know you're praying for them. Begin reaching out to them with notes of encouragement, telephone calls. Pray for them. Let them know you're praying for them. Flourish Mm -hmm. as you move about in the courts of the Lord. It is an amazing place. We are planted in the house of the Lord. Think Mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. And so be a life giver to your brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. in your church family. Mm -hmm. Be a blessing to your pastor. Then he goes on to say in verse 14, they still bear these righteous ones who are living in the house of the Lord. They bear fruit, but it doesn't stop there. Even in old age. Mm. Is that not a stunning promise? Come on. Even in old age, I can still be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> now, what is this fruit? It's not necessarily productivity as we think of flourishing, yeah. the productivity, but this is the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, mm. goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When that grandchild comes to see me. Is it a joyful time mm. for that child? Or when my children come to see me, or when a young woman comes, does she behold a bitter old woman, a discouraged old woman, or does she see one who is full of the life of Christ, who is joyful in Him? Our joy is not determined by our circumstances. That's if right. it is, it is very thin and shallow. Yeah. But Psalm 92 says, you, O Lord, make me glad. Stop yeah. and think about that. My yeah. circumstances do not make me glad. Yeah. God makes me glad. Yeah. With the joy of his presence. I go around my house daily. Lord, make me glad with the joy of your presence. Yeah. Make this home glad with the joy of your presence. When others walk in these doors, may they know that joy is here because you are here. Make me glad with the joy of your presence. And even on days when I can't walk around my house, when I'm laying in bed, because my head, my vertigo is spinning all around. Yeah. Still makes me glad with the joy of his presence. So this is what I would say to that, that woman who's struggling. And I understand the struggle. Some days it is, it is a, a, a prayer war. Mm. to keep asking, to keep crying out, make me content, make me joyful, mm. fill me with your love, 
fill me with your peace. Mm. But he answers. In his time, he mm. answers. Mm. So rejoice in who you are in Christ, that mm. you are clothed in his righteousness. And really, if that's true, what else do we Amen. need to worry about? That takes care of it all. Amen. And then there's the contentment and joy that comes from it. So dear sister, take my hand and let's walk together and let's encourage each other. Let's speak the same language. I was sharing the fact about when you mentioned if someone's not well, you know, feeling well, like serve. And when we say that, sometimes we hear serving as in like, you'll, if you just do something, you know, you'll earn holiness and God will make you better. Actually, your brain is designed to uh, complement and in, in help one another. And when you help another, you are as if you're helping yourself. There was a study done of people with MS. They had, they put them into two groups. One group was given techniques to kind of help them when their MS flared up. And another group was given a mentor who had MS to talk to help them through it. And at the end, when it was like a 12-week study, when they were done to see who did who fared better, they actually said the both groups, neither one did better than the other, but who did better was the mentor group, the group that came in to help their MS, like mm. symptoms just went down, which shows we're here to give life. We're here to give it away. When you give it away, not expecting something back in return, God starts doing a new work in us of mm. hope and faith and love. So I love that you said that. And that is, should, I hope that gives a little, someone listening going, it's not just a hallmark sentiment. We should go help another. It actually truly helps you when you begin to be a help. So what advice do you have for a middle-aged woman who wants to be intentional about aging with grace, but she isn't sure where to begin? Well, I think that Susan has probably covered a lot of that um, through the um, the ministry of spiritual mothering. But mm-hmm. I would say as an individual, I mean, it might even be a, a woman who is in a whole new place in her life and isn't sure where to start. Of course, we start with uh, our own personal uh, prayer life, our own personal devotional life yeah. with a very specific request, just as Susan said, um, that she prayed specifically, what's next for me? And so when we pray that, then we can also start watching to see where is God leading us? What doors is he opening? I think a door that we have to open ourselves, though, is to make ourselves available. Uh, Perhaps going to a women's ministry leader and saying, I want to help wherever I can help, because it goes back to what you were talking about with giving of ourselves. Um, So I think that's the very specific thing. Of course, I would say, get our book and read Aging with grace. Yes, because absolutely. We, un- we, yes. <laughs> we unpack all of this in uh, aging with grace. And, um, and so I think that's, of course, starting with our own personal, uh, mm-hmm. our own personal prayer life, but then also, is there someone that you trust that you can go to and say, this is where I feel God leading me? Will you pray with me to know specifically mm-hmm. what my responsibilities can be? So Mm. it's wide open. Uh, Ministry is wide open. Uh, And again, I would go back to what is your view of aging and make sure that you have a biblical view of aging and start there and keep going back there when uh, when you're tempted to go down a secular view of aging. So good. Okay, you guys, um, I know all the listeners are just on 
on the edge of their seats. They want more. How, where can they go to get resources? Well, of course, everyone, you get the book on Amazon. It's just, we'll have a link here in the show notes. Get it on Amazon. Again, it is called, let me read it properly, Aging with Grace, Flourishing in an Anti-Aging Culture. Uh, and where else can they get some resources? Well, you can go to, with, to, go to agingwithgrace.org online. And there you're going to find all kinds of information about the book, Aging with Grace. We have created a leader's guide. Uh, There's a link there to the leader's guide. It is packed with uh, companion resources to help a small group work through the study. And we really hope that uh, groups of uh, intergenerational groups will come together because yes. older and younger women are going to learn from each other. Uh, and yes. I think that would be a heart, I would say, uh, to have a heart of older women learn from younger and younger from older. Also, the PCA, Presbyterian Church in America, has lots and lots of women's ministry resources, uh, w- resources for women um, okay. to help us age with grace. So yeah. starting yeah. from teenagers all the way up up to when you're 81 and more. Awesome. So that and would be more, the, yes. and more. Yeah. So um, I, I'm just excited about uh, Susan bringing up spiritual mothering. I would highly recommend going there uh, to help figure out, okay, what do we do next? How do we get this started in our church? But yeah. again, agingwithgrace.online. Oh my goodness. Okay. Can I ask like, re- like these are just fun little silly questions. What do sure. you, uh, Susan, coffee or tea? Which one? Or, or we also have your kombucha. Do you know what kombucha is? No. Susan. Okay. Coffee or tea? What's your go-to? Coffee. Um, Susan, favorite way to like exercise or move your body? Oh, walking. Uh, yes. I also do stretching exercises. It's very important yes. for me, but I love walking outside. Love it. And Sharon, favorite yeah. way to move your body? I would agree with Susan, walking, being outside, mm-hmm. uh, walking with a friend, definitely. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming. Thank you for making time. And um, we are looked forward to all the stuff that you're going to be doing in the future. Mission. Thank purpose. you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for you what so you're much. doing. Thank we you. We appreciate you. All right.